With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Dilly Ding, Dilly Dong, the Leicester Mercury's Leicester City podcast. I'm Rob Tanner. Joining me down the King Power Stadium today is Jordan Blackwell. Afternoon, Rob. Hi, Jordan. Uh, we've just sat through uh, Brendan Rodgers' press conference to preview the visit of Arsenal here on Sunday. Uh, we'll start, as we always uh, do, with the team news, and there's not much news, really, is there? No, no. Um, Mark Albrighton, who we saw make his first start in nearly three months last week, uh, he's shown no uh, ill effects of that. Um, he is still not quite fully fit, Rogers said, um, but he's getting closer. Uh, we saw him play 65 minutes last week before uh, Harvey Barnes came on. Um, so I think Albrighton will probably be getting closer towards that 90-minute mark, but still not quite there yet. Uh, otherwise, um, we know that Wes Morgan's available again. He wasn't uh, on the bench at all, uh, wasn't in, in the squad at all last week. Um, just before the game, uh, they had a call that uh, one of his children had gone to hospital, not with anything serious, so he was um, left out of the squad, but he's available again. Uh, but other than that, it's it. It's just Daniel Amate and Matty James are the only two that are, are unavailable, as they have been for a while. So, yeah, an almost fully fit squad for Rogers to choose from. Now, it's three interesting games to finish the season. And uh, I know there's not, there won't be really a lot for Leicester City to play four over these last three games because it looks like now with the victories for the, for the size of the games in hand, that seventh is going to be too, too much of a stretch this season. To finish seventh, which could be good enough for Europa League, so I think we can sort of almost write that off now. But um, they can still have a big impact mm. on other matters in the Premier League this season, which makes these games really interesting for me. Um, Arsenal struggling, struggling again to try and get in that top four. They've been in, on in different form lately. I mean, I know they had that fantastic run early in the season, but um, lately, I think it's is it three defeats in the last four? One clean sheet in 17 games. I mean, if City have got genuine uh, aspirations of breaking into the top six, if you look at Arsenal, the way they're finishing this season, you'd be looking at them as one potentially one of the sides you need to pick off. Yeah, definitely. I think they're, and particularly at the minute, they're, I mean, Roger said today that they're not vulnerable, um, but I would say that they are because they will have one eye on the Europa League. Um, they've obviously still got two routes back into the Champions League. But you would say with the way their Premier League form is going at the moment, winning the Europa League and getting into the Champions League that way is probably their best bet. Um, so I think that may help Leicester a little bit uh, coming into this weekend. But yeah, I think there's a they're still rebuilding in a sense. And I think Rogers said that today that Unai Emery's come in and he's had to he's had to restructure the club um, after you know. Have, after Wenger's uh, really long tenure. So I think there's a case that they're still rebuilding. So if Leicester can rebuild slightly quicker, they might be able to catch them up. But Rogers was asked about that today, and he says it's about making steady progress. And Arsenal have been in that top six for you know more than 20 years. Um, Leicester have you know, 
made five, sort of been in the Premier League for five years. They're making steady progress season on season, obviously with the with the title winners and anomaly. Um, so they they're slowly making progress there. I think it will be difficult for them to make the leap um, to that top six next season. But hopefully they'll get a little bit closer, and the gap will, between seventh and the top six will will close slightly. And then the week after, I know we're previewing the Arsenal game right now, but the week after, Brett, a really interesting line on this title race is that obviously it's Man City and Liverpool going head-to-head, as it was when Brendan Rodgers was the Liverpool manager and it was those two clubs going head-to-head and uh, Liverpool missed out famously when Steven Gerrard slipped up against Chelsea and they lost the one and only game out of ten of their final games and missed out on the title. Now it's Jurgen Klopp trying to get Liverpool over the line. It's an interesting line because Jurgen Klopp is... um, He's renting Brendan Rodgers' old house in Liverpool, isn't he? Yeah, so the Rodgers, uh, Rodgers is Klopp's landlord, mm. uh, which uh, Klopp was asked about that uh, on Thursday. Uh, jokes that he may withhold the rent if that is possible to try and motivate uh, Leicester and Rodgers into beating Manchester City and stealing a few points there and swinging the title uh, back um, Liverpool's way. Uh, but I think... Rogers seems to be fairly impressed with him as a tenant. He said he always pays up on time. Um, so um, yeah, they seem they seem you know really good pals to be honest. And mm. I think there will be a sense, although he's not willing to admit it. I think there will be a sense of Rogers wanting to beat Man City, not only to help Leicester finish as high as possible, but to help Liverpool. I think you know he, he's obviously a little bit disappointed still as you would be that he got so close to winning the league with Liverpool but didn't quite make it so I think he would probably feel some kind of personal joy if he could help them win it this year and then that final game uh, at home to Chelsea could that possibly be the end of Sarri at Chelsea as well because they're another side that if you look at the top six and you think if you're going to break in there you've got to overtake some of the couple of these clubs and they seem to be in transition as well yeah I think it's very much the same as Arsenal with Chelsea Look, probably keeping that uh, well, more than one eye on the Europa League, just because it's probably an easier bet than than trying to to break into the top four. Um, it's uh, yeah, certainly going to be interesting. I think I would say Chelsea are probably slightly harder would be slightly harder to overtake than Arsenal um, if Leicester were to to get towards that top six. You feel that with Chelsea's team, they're only ever. They're always sort of teetering on the edge of winning the league and finishing tenth. It's just that's how it seems to go for them. Uh, they've certainly got enough quality in the squad to finish in the top three, you would say. Um, so yeah, I think they'd be slightly harder to overtake. But yeah, I think it's it's certainly going to be an interesting game. And thankfully, you know, being a mid-table club, these last few games can wind down, and you know, they can be a little bit boring. But because Leicester have got some opponents to play that do have things to play for that should spur Leicester on I absolutely think we're going to see the best of Leicester and I think um, Brendan's probably going to learn quite a bit about his players again in the the, the last three, three games he certainly learned something about them at West Ham last week we touched it in an earlier podcast about the again it was the slow starts the ponderous football that we saw in the first half which was uh, a big feature of Claude Puel's tenure wasn't it and now we saw a much more dynamic aggressive City in the second half, which is how Rogers wants his team to play on a regular basis, on a consistent basis. And he's an interesting line, he came out of uh, the press conference when he said that he likes to see his players suffer in training. Now we know that there were some of the complaints from some of the players that, that under Claude, the um, training was long, 
very tactical, very technical, uh, but there was a lot of standing around. It seems like in Brendan, it's short, sharp, to the ex- extent it's painful <laughs> for yeah. some players as well. It's a very different uh, approach, isn't it? Yeah, and I think it's, it's trying to marry training with the games. If you make the training sessions sharp and intense, hopefully you'll get a you know, you'll see intensity on the pitch at the weekend. So I think it's trying to draw that reaction out of the players because that has that has been what they've been missing. Um, we, yeah, as you said, we saw it against West Ham. They just they didn't quite have the verve, the you know, the intensity that they've that we've seen so often. Certainly in Rogers' first few games, they, they seem to they did seem to have that. But yeah, they were missing that. But the last two games against West Ham and Newcastle, they have been missing um, something, just a bit of speed, a bit of. Um, Maybe motivation, maybe. Um, so yeah, I think it's about trying to to build that and trying to to draw the best out of them uh, come the games. And, so, and of course, all the players have still got the um, the carrot of uh, of trying to uh, prove to the new manager that they should be part of his plans next season because we know he's going to be doing business in the summer. Um, we've got a line that's embargoed, so we can't mention the line specifically, but it's along the lines of they're going to spend some money. In the, in the in the summer and um, to bring some uh, players in, he wants to strengthen certain areas of the squad. So these players have got to impress him over the last three games. Yeah, I think it's perhaps given the impression that he's fairly happy with his starting eleven because he's not really changed it that much. We've not seen the only real changes we've seen um, have been at centre back, but they've been enforced uh, when Evans was injured and Maguire was suspended. We've now seen a change out wide with Albrighton coming back, and I suppose there's a, a little bit of debate there as to which two of Albrighton, Gray, and Barnes uh, should be starting. Um, but it's, other than that, it's generally been the same team. But I, yeah, I don't think that means he's necessarily totally happy with that starting eleven. I think there are clearly areas that he wants to strengthen. I think much of what Leicester do in the summer will be a case of. Uh, building strength in depth, but I think we will we'll see money spent on bringing in one or two first team starters um, because, and as you say, yes, they still need to perform. I don't think there's been a, there's not been a great deal of brilliant performances since Rodgers come in. They've done well, but I think for some players they need to show over these final three games that they can produce maybe like 9 out of 10 performances. I think we've seen a lot of 7 out of 10 performances. But can they take that next step to ensure that they are definitely in the starting line come the first game of next season? Now, we know um, a striker is probably on that list for the summer to bring in, but uh, to play second fiddle to Jamie Vardy. An interesting uh, little angle for this game, um, talking point, is the fact that three years ago, when Arsenal came after Jamie in a very serious way, he could have ended up playing for the Gunners against City um, on, on Sunday. But... He stayed put. He decided, and not many of those, that title-winning side that had the opportunity to move on followed suit with him. Um, Danny Drinkwell went, Mares went, Kante went, but Jamie Vardy stayed put. And and I think um, I think Brendan's pretty pleased he is still a Leicester City player because he's been in great form, hasn't he, since uh, the Irishman came in? Yeah, definitely. I think I mean you only need to look at the the Premier League goal scoring charts now, and you can see that Vardy's only three off the top. There's uh, you know there's so many. Um, there's so many big name players in there, and Vardy's there on 16 goals with with the likes of Salah, Romane, and Aubameyang, um, and Hazard. Um, and I think there's it's clear that he is a top level striker. 
And I'm sure he could have done it for Arsenal. I know there was always doubts in his mind there that would they play the type of football that he profited from. Um, but I think he would have scored goals there. Um, so, yes, yeah, so it was a big show of loyalty and I'm sure Rodgers is very happy that when he does go out and spend some money in the summer, he doesn't need to be signing a first-choice striker um, because they've got uh, they've already got a brilliant one at the club. Let's talk about strikers. Because on Bamiyang's fit, we understand from Arsenal, I think it's been confirmed at their press conference today. Um, he's been a, a decent player for him so far, hasn't he? Yeah, I think he's... I mean, he always scored a lot of goals in uh, in Germany for Borussia Dortmund. Um, and I think there was maybe... There were similar doubts over him when he came here because he's a, a fast striker, much like Vardy. Would there be space... Would teams give Arsenal space in behind for him to run into? Um, but I think he's shown to himself to be a, a sort of natural poacher and he's able to... He's got a more all-round game, hasn't he? Though? Yeah, and I think there's... I think you wouldn't necessarily say he's stood out and been spectacular. I mean, he's not... He obviously is not in the, the PFA team of the year and I'm not sure anybody would have ever considered him you know, ahead of Aguero, say. Um, but yeah, he's up there in the scoring charts with with all those players, with Mane and Aguero and Salah and, and, and all those sorts of players. So he's obviously doing something right and I think he's just... He's got that that knack, if you like, of knowing where the ball is going to be, being in the right place um, to score some goals. So yes, I think he's going to be one to watch if he does um, if he does start. Now, I mentioned Vardy there, and we did a piece, we all did a piece, you, me and Jamie, our, our colleague, um, this week, picking out our player of the year, our young player of the year, our performance of the year, and our goal of the year. Now, I picked Jamie Vardy as player of the year because I think he's the guy that makes a difference. Now, we asked the fans to um, get involved as well. And they, they, it looks like it's an overwhelming uh, favourite for who they think has been City's best player this season. Yeah, they agreed with me, the fans did. I went for Ricardo, and he seems to be getting the most votes as well from fans. I think Vardy was um, was second. Um, but yes, I think just... Certainly, for me, I was looking at the consistency over the course of the season, and I think uh, Ricardo has shown that maybe a, one or two defensive wobbles in the first four or five games... Um, but other than that, he's been very solid defensively. Made lots of tackles and interceptions. Made you know crucial interventions at the back post. Something that we saw Danny Simpson always do a lot mm-hmm. of. I think Ricardo has couple of good blocks last week against West Ham. Yeah, I think Ricardo has been become very good at that. But also on the front foot, he's been he's just such a threat with the way he carries the ball forward um, with his link up play. I mean, he's got five assists, I think it is, and a couple of goals and, and two very good goals against Everton and Manchester City. Um, and I would say consistency over the course of the season. I think he has been the one, um, and so I, yeah, I'm not surprised that that many supporters have, have seen that as well. I think that when we've spoken about the candidates before, I think Chilwell has done very well, but perhaps has slowed down a little bit. I don't think he's, he's, it's probably not helped him that his form in the second half of the season has not been as good as the form in the first half of the season. But again, he's been pretty consistent. First half of the season, he was the most consistent player. Yeah, there? I think he's just. I think Ricardo. Just offers a little bit more going forward um, than Chilwell. He's got that goal threat, hasn't he? Yeah, I think you the the quality of his crosses as well. It seems like occasionally it feels like Chilwell's crossing into the box and hoping someone's there. It, it feels like Ricardo is aiming for someone. Um, so yeah, Chilwell I think has, has been very good. Madison I think you could say as well. I yeah. Think. Or and and he fits in that bracket where you could and Chilwell for young player. Do you? Yeah, I think there's a. He probably had a little bit of a dip in the middle of the season, but recently, since particularly since 
Rogers slash Tielemans came in. He's been very good, um, and he's you know you can tell by the way he plays he's going to be a star. Um, I think I did have a, a caveat in mind that had you stretched Tielemans form over the course of a season rather than just ten games, he would win it comfortably. Um, but yeah, you can't really give it to a player for, for a, for a take. <laughs> he has made a that. big impact, and yeah. when we talked about um, signing players in the summer and who's going to be top of uh, Brendan Rodgers' wish list, it's going to be Tielemans, I would imagine. Oh, it, absolutely. It, it, it definitely should be. I think we've seen, particularly in these last two games, um, even when he's not playing as well as he did in the first few games, he's still got enough awareness um, to play the killer pass. Um, I think we mentioned it before that he played a, an excellent ball for Vardy against Newcastle, the only real good chance that Leicester created against Newcastle's deep defence uh, that Vardy just hit over. And then, you know, you're coming into injury time, you probably, most players are probably tied, but he's still got that sort of uh, mental stamina to be to be sharp with the ball. And against West Ham, he plays the, that brilliant pass for Barnes. Um, I think those sorts of qualities are very, very rare. Um, and I think they're the sorts of qualities that will make Tielemans a very expensive player in the summer. Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's reports that the deal could be worth £40 million, which obviously would shatter City's um, transfer record that paid for Islam Slamani, who, that's an that's a, a issue. He could do a whole podcast on Islam Slamani <laughs> on, on his own. I mean, what's going to happen there? I mean, they can't get, seem to get rid of him, and uh, he's still got a couple of years left on his contract as well. So, um that's going to be an interesting one to watch this summer, isn't it? What's going to happen to Slomani? I imagine somebody will try and take him on loan again. Yeah, I think there's a case of... I think we, we talk about Leicester bringing players in um, and kind of trying to stop other clubs from poaching their best players, the likes of Maguire, Chilwell, Madison. Um, but also a lot of the dealings that Leicester are going to do is trying to offload the players that, that they don't necessarily see a future for at the club. I think most of those... Uh, most of the senior players on loan fall into that bracket, particularly Samani, who they they'll hope to recoup some money for, but getting anywhere near thirty million is impossible now. Um, I think they'd have to bring their asking price way down to 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 sell him permanently. But I agree with you. I think they'll end up loaning him out again because I think nobody can afford his wages. No, and nobody no. can afford the fee. So. And nobody, and at thirty years of age, nobody wants to pay that sort of money. No, no, and I think when he's got, um, you know, when they know they could get him because they know Leicester are, are so willing to get him off their books. When they know they could loan him and perhaps pay, you know, a portion of the wages rather than all of the wages, um, and still get the player for a season, see how he does, that kind of thing. Uh, I think that's, you know, that's what clubs would prefer to do. So yes, I think. Slomani will certainly be one we'll be talking about in the summer, but hopefully not too often because better to talk about players coming the other direction. Well, that's what we hope, yeah, and um, I think there'll be one or two coming in as well. I think it's going to be a busy old summer, so the best place to be to follow all that is on Leicestershire Live. Uh, we've got a live blog running uh, throughout the afternoon uh, when Arsenal come to town on Sunday, which Jordan will be running for you, so you don't have to miss a kick. And we'll have all the stories and all the build-up on that website as well. And don't forget to look out for the results of our poll for Player of the Year, Young Player of the Year, Goal of the Year and a performance of the season as well. So thank you for joining us on Dilly Ding Dilly Dong. We'll see you again next time.